It was the dawn of the podcast age, 12 years before the Earth pandemic. A dream was given form, a place where science fiction and fantasy readers could work out their differences peacefully, our last best hope for a good read. The name of the podcast is Sword and Laser. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm John Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes we break out into song. Sometimes, you know, yeah. pretty fairly often. Especially when Medium we've been often. drinking. Oh, I have been drinking a lot tonight, let me tell you. Uh, me too. Me too. I am, I am just hydrated. Slamming that H2O. Me too. <laughs> Dihydrogen oxide it. by the Ooh. pints. Mm. Woohoo. Um, mm. Yeah, feeling good. Feeling good. You're drinking water? Um, I'm drinking water. Yeah, I'm drinking water. <laughs> drinking water. I don't know why. Um, but I do have some wine news later in the show. You turn so we'll... your wine into water? <laughs> no, finally. <laughs> But not because I'm the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm actually an alchemist. Ah, uh-huh. Yeah, so big yeah. difference there. Yeah. And then that makes your baby the alchemist's son. That's right. Yep. That's a callback. Yep. Kind of. of. All right. <laughs> not really. <Let's... laughs> hey, we uh, we recently got described as uh, uh, people you would talk to at a pub, so... I feel like this is an uh, we're at keeping in character. We'll get to that later in the show. We'll get to that later as well. We're we're really we're not saving it for the pod. Well, tonight, um, as Justin Robert Young would say, um, but let's jump into the quick burns. The nebulas are going on. Uh, Science fiction fantasy writers of America pleased to announce the winners of the fifty seventh annual Nebula Awards. The award for novel went to <laughs> P. Jelly Clark. For a master of gin. Did we call it? I think we called it. You called it. That was your pick. I love pick. pretending. I love pretending like yeah. I have any idea what's going to be picked for I the know. Hugos like, and Nebulas. Like we had anything to do with the win, which we did We had nothing. It was entirely all, P. Jelly Clark who deserves entirely. all the credit for P. Jelly Clark's win, but. But also us. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Uh, Premi Muhammad won the Nebula Award for novella. For and what can we offer you tonight? Uh, Novelette went to O2 Arena by Ogena Chovwe Donald Ekpeki. And the Nebula Award for Short Story went to Where Oaken Hearts Do Gather by Sarah Pinsker. The Andre Norton Nebula Award for Middle Grade went to A Snake Falls to Earth by Darcy Little Badger. Nice. Um, there was also, they always give out uh, awards for TV and movies. So the Ray Bradbury Award for Outstanding Dramatic Presentation went to WandaVision Season 1. Uh, game Writing went to Thirsty Sword Le Lesbians from Evil Hat Games. And the SFWA... How have I not heard of <laughs> Thirsty Sword Lesbians? I know. I have not heard of that either. And uh, the next time I'm around gaming, which I was recently in Las Vegas for the TMS meetup... I'm going to ask, does anyone happen to have a copy of Thirsty Sword? I feel, I feel almost affronted that I haven't yeah. even encountered that on the internet yet. <laughs> so I'm going to have to change that. Well, you're a mom now. Mm -hmm. 
What does that mean? That I can't like thirsty sword lesbians? It doesn't mean you can't like them. It doesn't mean you wouldn't even come across them. It means you have a few more things to do in your day. I see. I might miss a thing or two here and there. Okay. Because you're busy. I got it. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Good clarification. You're welcome. (laughs) Yes. And the SFWA uh, Damon Knight Memorial Grandmaster Award went to Mercedes Lackey. All right. And then uh, moving on to Seth, uh, the 2022 shortlist for the Mythiopaic Fantasy Awards feature familiar names from previous sword and laser picks, uh, which include the Witness for the Dead from Catherine Addison, uh, Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki, A Master of Jin by P. Jelly Clark, uh, Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Um, oh, look at all these barks. Fascinating. Different spelling, though. Um, Tercial and Eleanor by Garth Nix and Or What You Will by Joe Walton. Mythopoeic Fantasy. Poeic. Mythopoeic. Mythopoeic Fantasy Awards. Um, they will be announced at MythCon 52. Okay. Get it. Now I get it. Yeah. Did I say it wrong the first time? Did I do a Veronica? I I felt like I was close. I think you were darn close i was just okay. trying to figure out what these how these awards fit in and it's the MythCon thing Makes sense. i feel good about myself that i've read three out of five three out of six sorry you are responsible for three out of five <laughs> three out of six of those <laughs> half the nominations uh how about these uh jan pointed out that tour.com reported on the african speculative fiction society announcing the shortlist for the namo awards recognizing works of speculative fiction by african writers uh, best speculative fiction novel by an African author nominees are They Made Us Blood and Fury by Cheryl S. Ntumi, The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna, Son of the Storm by Sui Davies, Far From the Light of Heaven by Tade Thompson, The Madhouse by T.J. Benson, and The Library of the Dead by T.L. Huchu. Excellent. Yeah, and sorry, this uh, Son of the Storm was uh, Sui Davies' Okungaboya. Oh, oh, I, I, I missed the last name. I apologize. Uh, Sui no Davies Okungaboya. Okungaboya. Yes. And then Jan from Jan also uh, wanted to point out from Locus Mag that the winners, well, is it, it's that time of year, isn't it? It's I always feel like. Award season. It's, so it's the 2022. So how are they giving out awards for 2022 when 2022 isn't over yet? Because sometimes you name the award on the year you give it. Even if it's oh, eligible, of the, the books even if eligibility out goes out. Yeah, yeah. You would think that after hmm, 13 or so years of doing this show, I would have realized that by now. No, I think that's no? reasonable that you, no. yeah, no. Especially when I know all these books came out the year before. <laughs> I mean, no. You know, I know I'm smart, but sometimes I'm really impressed by the amount of things that I just don't put together. Listen, the smarter you are, the more you realize you don't know. That's true. And the more you have to be open to those things. Yeah. You have to feel open to learning. Mm-hmm. And being if, like, oh, if that's super interesting. People who are like, I know everything, probably don't know that many things. Can I sidebar for a moment yeah, yeah. Uh, for another example of this? Um, so the product that I work on is called Adobe Express. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I thought Express meant fast. Yeah. And it does. Yeah. But it's really supposed to mean like express yourself. Oh. And it never even occurred to me. Uh-huh. 
And I literally like work on that product. Okay. Talk about it a hundred thousand times a day. So that just goes to show. Yeah. There's always something to learn. I learned something something now because I didn't know that's what Adobe Express meant. I always thought it meant this this is the easier version to download. (laughs) It's faster than Photoshop. It's not a download. It's a web-based product. There's nothing to download. Well, it used to be. There used to be a downloadable version of it, like long on time iOS. ago. On, on no, iOS. On like iOS and Android. On Windows 95, <laughs> there was no, an Adobe Express. No, there wasn't. Really? What am I really? thinking of then? I don't know. Photoshop I swear Expre- there was like a Photoshop an old Express, Windows but that's thing. an app. Oh, was it just Photoshop Express? Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, there's a Photoshop Express. But okay. That's, I, I know there was some old app. piece of software from Adobe that had Express in the name. That's all I remember. Well, I have to, um, maybe I need to go check because I, <laughs> Adobe is as old as I am. Like we are the same age. Mm-hmm. And so a lot has happened in the history of that, of that. Company. No, I, I imagine now that you say Photoshop Express, I'm like, oh, that's probably what it was. Cause I remember that, but I did, yeah. I thought the express meant like just really it's smaller. And so it's faster to move over from your floppy. I just move over from your <laughs> floppy. I just feel like if there was another product called that previously, they would have been like made a big deal about relaunching the name and yeah, they haven't. Yeah. And so, yeah, who knows? Anyways, uh, so, all right, coming back, coming back into SFS Bring it land. back, Jan. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Um, Jan says, the winners of the 2022 Kurd Lasvitz Prize for the best German science fiction works and translations have been announced. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. The best German SF novel 2022 is Nanopark by Yui Herman. And, Uwe. Uh, Uwe. Oh, damn it. The novel is about something going terribly wrong in an amusement park that enhances the experience of its visitors by utilizing nanobots who create illusions inside the visitors' minds. that sounds good. It does sound good. Unfortunately, the novel has not been translated into English as per usual for German fiction, genre fiction. Fire up your Duolingo and learn some German, everybody, because this sounds really good. Nine. (laughs) I'm too busy. (laughs) Alles gut. Um, Germans got a lot of cognates with English. German sounds to me like English that I just almost don't understand. Well, Dutch and Frisian in particular, it just sounds like, wait a minute, you're just saying the words funny. That's English. There was, there was a family speaking Dutch or Finnish. I can't, Uh I'm not sure on at the ski resort recently. And, um, they were going back and forth between that language and English. Mm, mm. And so it made me doubly confused because yeah. like I could understand parts and then they would just veer off into stuff. I couldn't make yeah. head or and tail like, of. And I was like, what? what's that? Is this altitude affecting my <laughs> brain? What's happening right now? Um, so yeah. So Uve, Uve Herman. Yeah. Uve Herman. Congratulations. Uve. Yeah. Uve, Uve, Uve. Uh, you know, the only reason I'm sure about Uve uh, is because there was a basketball player in my high school conference from Effingham, Illinois, named Uve Blob. And he was a this German is why foreign exchange student. matters. Yeah, exactly. All right. And then finally, Deanna pointed out that Barnes & Noble is hosting a virtual event on July 27th, 2022, featuring Zoraida Cordova discussing the inheritance of Orchidea Divina with Rebecca Roanhorse. Tickets are free. I better be free that day. Wow. That sounds awesome. Clicking on that link right now so I can like find some kind of calendar invite thing that I can 
Now, what time Register is it? 7 for p.m. Eastern. To so it. 4 Pacific on a Wednesday. I could probably swing that. Okay. Four, I'll on make a Wednesday. Swing that. Yeah. I can swing that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll return to that later. Um, yeah. So thank you to everyone who submitted Quick Burn stories. You can do so by heading over to our Quick Burns thread over on goodreads.com or by joining the Discord and posting in our Quick Burns channel. All right. Now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Mm-hmm. Wine news, wine, 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 wine. Uh, Joseph thinks he knows what the wine was that you couldn't remember the name of. Yeah, he's he gonna says, make me pronounce it. <laughs> was the wine La Vielle Femme? We used to serve that at the theater I volunteer at. We always just called it Chicken Red or Chicken White, so as not to have to try to pronounce <laughs> La Vielle Femme. <laughs> which so I I'm guess not I'm pronouncing drinking... right. I'm not even gonna pretend like I'm pronouncing it right, but I'm drinking Chicken Pink. Which sounds pink. like a Rule 34 kind it of It sounds like salmonella. It sounds extremely <laughs> unappetizing on every level that I can like think of. It sounds like you should put that in the microwave for about three minutes. <laughs> I think I'm just going to keep calling it the Rooster Rosé. <laughs> rooster Rosé. It has the alliteration going for yeah. it. That's, but, yeah. I'm a huge alliteration fan. Yeah. I'm an alliteration lover. You're an alliteration admirer. That's not how alliteration works. <laughs> it's A and A. But it still has to sound the same. It has to be the same sound. Alliteration admirer. I don't like it. <laughs> no. It makes me uncomfortable. All right. And <laughs> hey, thank you very much. We got a lovely shout out um, by Jackson Ford over minutes on ago. The, mere minutes ago. Actually updated on, about five hours ago, according to this. Which is very cool. Yeah, this was on a site called Geeks at vocal.media slash geeks. And uh, it's five book podcasts I absolutely love. And I feel so honored. And he wrote a really nice write-up. Write up. Should I read the write-up? Yes. Okay. Um, first of all, he said the schedule is fortnightly, which I think is awesome because I never explain it that way. And that is actually the way one would explain it. Mm-hmm. That is that, that is correct. Jackson Ford. He says, the thing I like about SNL is that you never quite know what you're going to get. You might get a deep layered interview with a particular author, a commentary on the latest news in the sci-fi and fantasy world, or an in-depth breakdown of a particular issue in that world. What really sells is the easy, light-going banter between Veronica, the self-proclaimed sword, and Tom, the laser. Listening to the show feels like meeting up for drinks with a couple of old friends. Very nice. There are some episodes that tend to be a little inside baseball, which is a delightful phrase I recently learned that means esoteric or highly technical, but they are few and far between. Mostly, this is a killer show. It's been running for nearly 500 episodes now, too, although you don't need to listen to the back catalog to enjoy it. I tweeted back uh, to Jackson Ford saying, thank you. Those are very kind words. We will try to keep our baseball outside as much as possible. Am I using that (laughs) phrase right? Probably not, but you know what I mean. (laughs) I think the funny thing is, is that I, I think we're very aware when we're inside baseball-y, and I think we've called ourselves out for that before. But I like to think that's some of the fun, especially for like the oh, longtime yeah. listeners who who get to get a little bit of that in the knowness. But yeah, we do try to keep it to a minimum. But yeah. thank you so much for that. When we up. get inside baseball, Veronica tends to shake off the sign uh, and... <laughs> And then we have to switch up, which means we have to call in the center second baseman and the center fielder to switch mm-hmm. to a new card. 
So Tom keeps putting the shift on for me. And <laughs> I keep I keep expecting you to bunt down the third base line, but you never do. I never do. I'm 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 poor at bunting. It's not it's not my strong. It's <laughs> I not don't my strong think suit. we're doing a good job of keeping the baseball outside. Ah, oh, dang it. Dang it. Um, but yeah, this is also a great blog post to find some other book podcasts that you might be interested in, Ooh, interested yeah. um, in listening, like Page Break by Brian McKellen, for example. I was so excited to see Brian's podcast get on here because uh, he asked me a couple questions back when he was getting started. So I've always had a vested interest in Page Break's success uh, I and I've been like- cheering him on. Uh, so it's great. It's good to see that. Yeah, I was on Page Break, actually, like very early. Um, yeah, so and- was I. It was so fun. And I think, uh, yeah, he's he's an excellent host. Um, he's really lots good. of great people here. The bonus, Ask the Bards, for example, Kevin Hearn and Delilah <laughs> S. Dawson is on here. We've got uh, Cood Street. Um, we've got Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, uh, which I'm not familiar with, but I'd love to check out. And a Fictional Hangover. So lots of lots of great stuff here if you need to expand your uh, ear holes with new pods. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a moment earlier today when I I wrote who let it be Wednesday, uh, and Kevin Hearn responded with a with a meme, uh, that was me, and uh, the guy. Who <laughs> this plays- is a great story. <laughs> uh, and well, hold on, I'm getting there. It's gonna, it's going to get good in a second. <laughs> And uh, Frank Andy wrote, how bizarre is it? One of my favorite authors is interacting with one of my favorite podcast tech peeps, Worlds Colliding. Oh, yeah. does that guy not know you do sword and laser? He might not. I don't, he might I, not. I don't know. He might not. But that's yeah. still really sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Veronica will allow it. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. All right. You have to, you have to explain this next one because he did such a good job at explaining that interaction. <laughs> I, you're the one who put this in. I've barely watched it once, but sure. Uh, Tamahome in our discord, uh, put in a YouTube link to a YouTube video called what it's like to read Brandon Sanderson, which shows someone reading a book while people keep piling books on the end table next to them under a sign that says Brandon Sanderson's new books. And the person has to keep reading faster to catch up. That was good. Thanks. Concise. I liked it. I, I do this for a living. <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put it in the uh, in the show notes on the blog if you want to check it out. It's it's really Meanwhile, cute. Veronica in our Discord writes, "I'm so mean." <laughs> <laughs> Give it away the game right there, right there. I like I like that. Um, uh, Proseka uh, over in Discord also said, "If you understood some of it, it's Dutch." Finish is just way out there. <laughs> I didn't understand it. I. Then it, it must sounded, have been it confused me for English. Like if, yeah, if you, hmm. yeah, I don't know then. Maybe it was Dutch. Yeah, 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 perhaps. All right. Well, uh, it is a book wrap-up week. Um, it's so the first explain? of the month, so it's kind of a kickoff and a wrap-up. Kickoff wrap-up. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, and just a reminder, um, for next month, before we get into the spoilery wrap-up you of Machine Hood. This month, the month of June, which, <laughs> which is, is now, now. Yeah. which is now, um, in honor of our friend Jenny Colvin, uh, we're going to be asking everyone to just read as many books as you want, as you can, as you feel like you're empowered to do, and give them a review. Um, you can review it on any site. You can review it to your friends. You can send us a like audio review. You can write us a review on Twitter. You don't even have to send it to us. Just get it out yeah, there. Like, you can write it down authors. in a journal. 
yeah, it can, you can keep it to yourself. I mean, I would love it if you would send it to us because I love reading them and I think it's really fun. Um, and also I want to learn about all the cool books that you guys are reading. Um, so yeah, just just pick one or as many as you want and we'll keep track of them and it'll be really fun. And I think Jenny would be stoked to to to, to do that as well. Yeah. And some people are going to Jenny's to to be read list mm-hmm. and reading books uh, off of that list. Some people are just picking books on their own. Tassie Dave started a thread uh, in in our our Jenny Colvin uh, memorial uh, section about this, and people are sharing what books they're reading, what what books they've chosen, and why. So you can go do that. We'll have that link in the show notes as well. Uh, I right now the first book. And let's be honest, it's a novella so that I can hopefully at least get two books read. Ooh, okay. Because I okay. read so slow. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm reading Exit Strategy by Martha Wells. Uh, Very cool. And I don't know, I might just go right into reading the sixth book in the Murderbot series, which is the one after the one we read for the for the book pick. Because Network Effect was the first full-length novel, right? And it was the fifth book. After the four novellas, I don't know. I thought it was. I'm all caught up. I've read Network all Effect of them. is the one we read for Sword and Laser, and I feel like I feel like that was the fifth, if I'm remembering off the top of my head right. Uh, but but in any case, I haven't read the one after Network Effect because after we read Network Effect, I went back to read the first four novellas, and uh, um, Exit Strategy is the last of those novellas that I have to read. Okay, very cool. I am reading uh, Nona the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, um, which is an arc. And it's not due out say, until- I was going to say, that book isn't even out yet. It's not due out until September. You always do this with Tamsin Muir books. Uh, they keep sending them to me. I'm going to keep reading them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just how it works. When does it come out? It's not that long from now, is it? September. I just told you. Oh. September. September. Okay. September. It's September. <laughs> That's three months from now. That's a long time. Is that three months from now? June, July, August. Yeah, th- three full months. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 weird because September feels really far away. Yeah, and yet, and yet, and yet, it's as far away from us now as March was to now. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> I I hate that. That logic always really freaks me out. Like when yeah, they say it like. It never doesn't work for me. I always do that. I'm like, oh my God, that's weird. Like we are, my favorite one lately is we are as far away from. Okay. When that's. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. How do I phrase this right? Mm-hmm. That 70s show mm-hmm. came out in like the 90s. Yeah, that's right. I think. Mm-hmm. And no, maybe it's even further. Anyway, at one point, at one point, we were as far away from when that 70s show came out as to when that that 70s show took place. Yeah, that's roughly about that's roughly right. It feels longer now. I think that was a few years ago. We are now quite a bit like a few years down the road from that. But yeah, I think I think I remember people talking about that one. Yeah. And that was like, oh, oh, my gosh. I mean, it just gets um, weirder to be like we uh, it has been longer now since that 70s show was on the air than it was between the 70s and that 70s show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, yeah. If you have any other things like that, that's always those always make me laugh. Um, but, yeah, let's let's jump into the spoilery wrap up of Machine Hood by S.B. Divya. Um, yeah, spoilery, if you spoilery. haven't read the book or, 
and don't want to be spoiled. So if you want to be spoiled, stick around. Or if you uh, have read the book, stick around. But we are going to spoil things about the book. Indeed. Um, yeah. So do you, where do you want to kick things off? Do you want to jump to the threads or do you have any um, any top of mind things? I just wanted to uh, mention Ruth's uh, response in, I think it was in the thread for the podcast, uh, not, not the thread discussing the book. She said, I'm only just up to chapter six at the time that she wrote that. Mm -hmm. So my Mm -hmm. views may change, but right now I'm surprised at the talk of machinehood being concept over characters, which is something we talked about last week, because I'm really loving the characters I've met so far. Perhaps there is some wish fulfillment in how driven Welga seems in that she is very much my opposite. I want to keep reading this book for her, Concepts Be Damned. But that's the thing about reading. We all get something different. Mm -hmm. And then I linked to um, actually a follow-up thread that Ruth also posted um, a little bit later, which was a little too close. Um, In the podcast, Tom and Veronica talked about how machinehood might seem a little too close to reality from the social media point of view. I definitely agree. And I thought, and though I'm enjoying the book, the idea of being constantly watched and judged made me shudder. I feel like we are very close to this reality and I want nothing to do with it. Rushes off to watch someone talk about themselves (laughs) on YouTube, winky face. The tip jar thing reminded me of an episode of Black Mirror, totally. And it feels like everyone who has more than a little notoriety has to be constantly aware of how everything they are saying and doing might be received. There is an element of this in today's world already with discussions of cancel culture and the way people can literally lose a job over something posted online years ago. The world of machinehood seems like such a performative reality to live in, and I wonder how far from this world we are. Yeah, I I, I think... It- think that's really interesting and i think there's there's a there's an interesting element of this book too where and 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 i and i i don't want to i don't want to assume that ruth didn't notice this when i say this i i I think she probably did but i thought it was interesting how normalized all of Mm, the surveillance mm -hmm. is in machinehood Mm -hmm. uh and that's not to take away from ruth saying i wouldn't want to live like that because i totally get that but i thought it was excellent how S.B. Divya explained it as totally normal for the characters in that world. They right. weren't put off by the constant surveillance. It was just a fact of life of like, oh, you know, we've got the surveillance on right now. So, you know, I've just got to adapt because that's the way it is. And tips weren't something that you had to get into. Tips were something mm-hmm. everyone had access to. And people, there was an, it was an, epi- there was a, moment where someone's like, well, actually, I guess I should turn on the tip jar. I might get a little bit out of this, right. but it wasn't a, wasn't an agonizing thing. Like it would be now like, Ooh, should I monetize my content? Like uh, I'll have to read 15 blog posts before I do it. Like there it's just become a thing. People uh, just intrinsically assume is an option and know how to do it if they need to. I, I, I thought that was interesting how that doesn't take away from the dystopian aspect of it. In fact, it might make it even more dystopian that oh, yeah. it's so normalized, right? Oh, totally. No, that was the thing. I think that was probably the thing in the book that made me the most uncomfortable was what Ruth is saying here about how normalized it was and how what a natural progression it felt like. Um, 
I mean, hey, look at us. We are out here creating content and asking for people to give us money on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Like, are we really that far away? Like, there's people on Twitch, you know, making, making, getting tips on Twitch. There's people on YouTube. There's ad dollars on TikTok where if you don't create content like every few hours, like you make less money. In some ways, I think the machinehood world is less stressful than that because it's always there. You're just living your life. Yeah. And so you're not you're not worried about having to do a video. Your life is the video. But at the same time, I mean, you do have to like be conscious of it and be like, mm, do yeah, I really yeah. want my sexy times to be on camera today? Well, like, that, that was, there was that one scene where it. they're like, should yeah. we, it wasn't, oh no, our sexy times will be on camera. It was like, should our sexy times be on camera today or not? Am I in the mood for it? It's like, it was well, so there was mundane. even one at the end, I think at the end when Connor is like injured and they have that really like tender moment before mm-hmm. she goes up to, up to the station and she's like, and you know, and we didn't even, you know, even without streaming it, like it was oh, still right. so sensual. And it's like, oh, so that actually is hot for you. Yeah. Like you actually, you're into it like voyeuristically. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess not voyeuristically. It's the opposite of voyeuristically. Yeah, yeah. It's, Whatever that uh, word. What's that word? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, There's it's a like, word for it. oh, I, I'm so used to it being like this, but now that it's different, it didn't lose anything. And mm-hmm. the difference in that case being no one's watching, <laughs> which is the opposite of today. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought all of that was interesting. It did remind me of growing up, uh, cause I grew up in a small town, uh, mm-hmm. and, in a small town, everyone knows your business. You don't. You don't do much that they people watch don't. You have sex <laughs> in a small town. In a small town, everyone Greenville, Illinois. Yep, yep. A lot of people don't realize that about small towns, Veronica. Wow. But that's the way they work. Yep, it's the law. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was well, actually you meant up in their business. You meant I was up in their not business. referring to the sexy times. I was referring to the sort of the loss of privacy in general. Okay. Sexy times okay. probably be one of the exceptions to that. But, but I think we have this notion of privacy today that was less common, you know, a thousand years ago, maybe. A couple hundred years Exhibitionist. ago. Exhibitionist. Thank you, Prosecco. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, I, I'm not talking about the sexy time. I'm just talking about going about your normal everyday business now. There's a certain amount of anonymity because people don't care. They're like, I don't know who you are. Whereas the cameras make you think, oh, there might be someone who cares because there's a bigger audience out there seeing it. Right? I, I, I get that. But when in a small town, you go to the grocery store and you do something, people know you did it. Like, oh, I saw saw Tom at the grocery store. He bought some baseball cards today. Like, people know that stuff. So it actually is normal for human beings to live in a society where your privacy is more limited, I guess I'm saying. I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and there's even types of people in that world who specifically do, like, major explosive acts of Mm -hmm. public display of terrorism or, you know, like, or sometimes more like not punked. What's the, what's the show on MTV? Jackass. Jackass. Jackassy like, like kind of stunts to get big tips. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's Mm -hmm. like a whole career Type. You're talking or like about performative, performative protesting. Like the, I thought the you were about Greenville when you said the terrorism. Now I realize you're talking about machinehood. <laughs> I was like, why are you so confused? <laughs> yes, in machinehood that happens. Correct. 
<laughs> and then there's like, you know, the the performative protesting I found really interesting where they essentially are like, we're going to go protest this thing. We're going to shoot some guards. Well, that was so fascinating because it is a parallel to war. There were yeah. not rules for war amongst humans for most of human history. It's only recently that humans decided to have rules for war. And obviously, sometimes those rules get broken. And that's one of the things in machinehood is the rules of protest get, get broken. But right. pro- protesting becomes some so ingrained in society that we formalize it the way like in the 1800s, you know, like with dueling. the yeah, with the British and the French went to war. A lot of times, they marched out onto a battlefield and shot at each other, like you know, like gentlemen. You know, you didn't mm-hmm. sneak around in the trees like those crazy people over in America. There's no rules over there. You know, blah 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 blah. Right. Blah. It's five o'clock. We have to bugger off for some uh, tea and crumpets. Stop shooting. It's time for tea. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah. Um. Yes, I agree. Anyway, Ruth, I'm totally on the same page with you. And I'm curious to know now, like, I feel like we've gotten the phases of Ruth's, like, uh, review of the book. And Mm -hmm. I need to know the final phase. Like, what did she actually think at the end? Yeah. So hopefully Ruth will get back to us. We've had uh, Crescent Ruth, Half Ruth. (laughs) Now we need Full Ruth. (laughs) Elliptical, ellipses Ruth. Yeah. And at the then top of after the... after that, then we get New Ruth, which is a new book. <laughs> new Ruth. That's okay. That's the title. <laughs> new Ruth. Ruth, new it's Ru- your moment. New Ruth Rising. <laughs> new Ruth Rising. All right, you can't you can't let us down. We have to know how what you thought of the book now. Um, it's another Ruth. Is Ruth the only person who read this book? Oh no, we just renamed everyone Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> So now it's really new Ruth rising because we actually just finished the book. Yeah. She did finish the book and I didn't realize this was another one of her Ask threads. you shall receive, Veronica. Wow. That was like immediate gratification. Thanks, Ruth. I love Ruth. this. That was awesome. So Ruth says, my absolute favorite part of this book was right near the end when everything was coming to a head and Nithya had to pop out to buy vegetables. It was such a wonderful human moment, a reminder that whatever is going on, whatever changes might have occurred, we all still have the same basic needs. All the way through the book, I've loved Welga for her determination, for the way she would not stop fighting for what she believed was right. But in the end, it was Nithya who had my heart, mother, sister, wife, and friend, and bloody brilliant. When the world was at its worst, when she was suffering personal difficulties, she opened her home and her heart to those that needed her. What an absolutely brilliant example of a strong female character. I love how, for all her strength and bravery, Welga would never have made it without her amazing sister-in-law. Also, did this book make everyone else want to rush to the kitchen to cook something, or was it just me? <laughs> Certain times, yeah, for sure. And Malcolm says, agree with everything you said, except it left me wishing for an automatic kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. The idea that you could just tell your kitchen to reform furniture. Yeah. I, I'm having trouble. I was actually having trouble like visualizing the kitchen because I, so was it, you know, how they had like those, that, that plastic material that could reshape itself. So you could make like different places in your room. So how was the kitchen cooking? What is the kitchen like a tool, like a box that you put ingredients in? No, I think the or kitchen is it like a whole room? Yeah, I think it's a whole room with a lot of aspects to it. Like think think of like a server room. Okay. 
And it's, okay. it's, you know, it's, it's the server room, but there's lots of servers doing lots of different things. It's the kitchen. There's lots of parts of it in the room that do different things. That's how, that's how I imagined it anyway. Ruth actually says that she found a, a tool that is as close to uh, what a kitchen as described in the book would be in our timeline. It's called the Tokit Omni Cook Machine. It's a multifunctional kitchen system system assistant with smart functionality. Mm. But it sounds like you can like pick a recipe, put the ingredients in when it says to, and then it'll cook it. So I'm really curious. There's there's a review that was also posted, so I might have to check that out later. <laughs> but it seems I mean there's kind a lot of, of smart ovens level. that do that where you put in the ingredients and it'll cook it properly. But this mm-hmm. looks like it's got a blender on it. Yeah, which I don't understand. The smart so ovens does it cook don't have in the blender? Where's the cooking part? I don't understand at all. It's all right, part of the not... Xiaomi ecosystem. It's the, oh. the Chinese smartphone maker. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to check that out too. Huh. Um, overall, I'll just give my my final thoughts before I go watch this very interesting review. Um, I liked the book. I did not love it. I had to really kind of, it was not forcing me to read it, but like I, I, I wasn't jumping to read it during my my spare hours um i did like welga and nithya i liked the characters um but they still felt a little hollow to me and i'm not sure why um i thought the the uh the station was interesting conceptually like the the idea of the um the machine i still don't really understand who the machine hood was if that was all the Eki Station folks, or if there was a separate entity oh, that yeah. was the Machine Hood. No, it was the it was the Eki Station folks, but because they had merged with the AI, they mm-hmm. also had sort of a hive mind thing going on. I see. Okay. Yeah, and kind of thought Welka was going to die in the end. Um, sounds like no, but I did not like the abortion storyline. It felt weirdly out of place for me for some reason like i feel like you completely could have taken it out of the book i i mm. understand i guess i understand why it was there but i still feel like it fell out of place to me and i'm not sure why like it didn't seem like it really drove any decisions other than getting welga's brother luis to arizona which is an important like, piece. Which is important, but that he could have it gone also, there anyway just to help his father. It also shows you Nithya's character and what she believes and what she stands for and what her relationship yeah. is. There's a little world building into in it as far as like, you know, how religions have evolved at this point in society, uh, how technology has evolved and human rights have evolved. Um yeah. Or de or not evolved, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I I get it, and I see mm-hmm. like I understand how it worked. It just it didn't feel necessary to me, and it just felt kind of like shock valuey almost in some ways. Though there's nothing shocking about a woman wanting to like do what she wants with her body. I think it's possibly an unfortunate accident of when you Timing. read it. Yeah, yeah, maybe because I totally get what you're saying, but I'm like, if you read this 
two years from now or two years before now, it's going to land differently than it lands right now. Yeah. Yeah. You could be right for sure. I think it's, it's just a hot button issue right now. And so that's, it's, it's feeling a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll put that on myself and my own emotions for sure. Well, But that, that's why I'm always saying we all experience books different because we bring different experiences to them. Mm -hmm. And that, that goes for the time point in which we read them too. That's, and that's totally justified. That's why I, I really hesitate to ever blame an author for anything. Uh, the author wrote the story they wanted to write. And Mm -hmm. certainly there are objective things about writing that can be critiqued. Uh, but that's not what we do here. What we do here is, did I enjoy the story? And most of the stories we're getting have been through a thorough editorial process. So that they're not going to have some of those fundamental problems that you would have as mm-hmm. a writer. So, so at this point, I feel like most of our criticisms are based on how it landed with us, not whether the author did a good job or not, uh, which is why I was saying last time and why I was so happy to see Ruth kind of second that is like, we all experience books differently. And so yes, you can have a story that balances concept, character, and plot perfectly. Uh, that, that is a way to do a story, but none of those three things will be as strong as if you lean one way or another, which is why I was Mm -hmm. saying, if you prefer concept, you might like a story that isn't as strong on concept and plot or on, on character and plot because it poured so much into the concept. Um, and, and of course there are those authors who can do all three really strong, uh, and, and, and maybe do it every time and and they win prizes. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we haven't really talked about kind of like the big hot button issue of the book, which is the, the Dakini and the machinehood. And like, is that really, do you, was what they were doing is right. And so by the way, it's a, so I looked into it. Um, it's a, it's from, um, it's Sanskrit. It's a Sanskrit word and it means sky dancer or Walker. Um, and it's a tantric deity that might be best described as a female embodiment of enlightened energy. Mm -hmm. So, so I loved the way, Olga uh, solved the problem because the problem is that Takini had a point as, mm-hmm. as did the entire machine hood had a point, but there was something off. There was something wrong. And Velga was our way into that to say like, all right, you're making a little bit of sense, but you can't go around killing people. Well, we don't you gotta kill work on your story. Yeah. You gotta well, work on your story or work on your method. Right. Mm -hmm. The, you know, you, you actually killed people. That's not okay. Uh, and that debate once she's up on the moon talking to them was, was beautiful. I loved that. That was like Socratic, uh, because it wasn't a takedown of the machine hood. It was Velga responding to their points and saying, all right, that makes a lot of sense, but you did this. Like the practical thing is you did that and that is not okay. And they're like, well, but we had to do that because if we don't do that, people don't take us seriously. And all the things that mm-hmm. movements say to justify their excesses, the ends justify the means is usually how it comes down. And what I loved is that she was like, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to take your good points and keep them 
but do something that stops you from doing the bad stuff. And hopefully that helps convince everyone. And I'm the only one who can do it. And that's, that's a great story because it's a chosen one story without the prophetic destiny part, right? Velga's right. acting like a chosen one in the sense that she is the only one who could solve this problem, but it's not a chosen one story because we didn't know that. It wasn't her destiny to be the one who could fix it. She just happened to arrive in that place with the right tools to fix it and was able well, to do it. And she saw that. Yeah. She yeah, was yeah. like, this is, she I'm literally it. the only one who can do this right now. Right. And so I have to do this, even if it means giving up some of my taking a risk in and, some ways. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, and I, I, I adore that kind of story, which is like, mm. well, I didn't sign up for this. This wasn't my destiny necessarily, but I feel like I could do some real good here. So I'm going to take a chance and do it. And that's what she did. And I, I love that. I think that makes this stronger story at the end than it was at the beginning. You know, it's so interesting. I feel like for typically we get like, you know, at least eight or nine discussion threads on a book. We only had five for this book, but there's mm. so many big themes yeah. that I feel like are really meaty to kind of discuss. Even if I didn't maybe love how they all came together at the end. I think the themes that were brought up from, from the pill production and mm -hmm. to the, to the funders and to the, to the Dakini and to the machine hood and to the manifesto and to everything else happening in the middle East there in the storyline as well. Um, and the, the mechs and the history of like humanity having to find a way to, to compete against bots and AIs that are, have really like grown in their usefulness and are, are taking our jobs. You know, it's this like story of just trying to compete against this like greater intelligence and, and like killing some of our humanity in the process in many ways. There's all this discussion on like gig economies and the labor force. And there's a lot of topics kind of like bioethics mm -hmm. <laughs> like baked into this book that that do come together um yeah a lot of big I ideas i think uh that this book appeals to i mean i hate hate the left maybe brain I, right brain maybe thing because i did like it <laughs> <laughs> well well hear me out because this may shed light on it i feel like this book appeals to a logical thinking uh appreciation uh, and I was, was about to say is I, I don't really love the left brain, right brain thing because it's not actually true, but, but as a metaphor, it works like, you know, right brain thinking is supposedly creative and left brain thinking is, is logical. Uh, this is a very thoughtful, philosophical, logical book. We like to discuss because we're human beings and this is why social media is the way it is. We like to discuss emotional things. We like, we like to discuss things that make us feel. And this book doesn't really make you feel. It makes you think. And so there's there's less of that natural, like, I'm going to react. I loved this or I hated this. There's more of like, this made me think. And you have to be a certain kind of person to get excited about thinking uh, such that you will go to a forum and express your thoughts about it. And that's not to say you're you're a lesser person or, or anything if you don't do that. I'm just saying, naturally speaking, most of us don't do that. Uh, and so since this isn't an emotional book, I think that's why some people are saying, well, I don't know if I like this book because it didn't make me feel things. It made me think things. But it made you think things. And that's why you may be having this delayed reaction of like, hmm, even though I wasn't getting emotional about it, it did make me think about stuff. So maybe that is good. 
Yeah, I think that was good. I think that was good. But how and do you I'm, feel? How do I feel? <laughs> um, I feel like I'm excited to see what SB Divya writes next. Yeah, me too. And what new big ideas they bring to the table. And and regarding my usual scale of like, oh, I found time to read this or I made myself read it. Usually the emotional books are the ones I end up making time to read because I'm looking for that emotional roller coaster ride. This was Mm -hmm. not that kind of book, but I definitely thought about it when I wasn't reading it. I thought about it more because of the concepts in it. Well, we clearly had a lot to talk about, too. So, hey, kudos. All right. I think that wraps up our episode. Um, Of course, leave us a tip in the tip jar, folks. Our show is currently (laughs) entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks who back us. If you want to help support the show or learn more, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!